on this episode of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. We were really able to capture um, what everyday people were going through. Yes, these are marquee performers that we would see on the strip, but we got to see their realness and what they really do and who they really are off of the stage. And now going through this pandemic, let's listen to their pandemic problems. In Spanish, its name means the Meadows. You might know it as the entertainment capital of the world, lost wages, or simply Sin City. Of course, I'm talking about fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. On average, 42 million people visit Las Vegas every year, and I'm one of them. I love this city. The sights, the sounds, the shows, the people, the history. I want to share all of it with you. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is the Jeff Does Vegas Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 81 of the Jeff Does Vegas Podcast. Before we get rolling for this episode of the show, I want to thank my guest from the last episode of the podcast, Vegas headliner and magician Jen Kramer, who's been performing at the legendary Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino since May of 2018. Jen and I chatted about how her interest in magic began, her time spent at Yale, how she landed her gig in Vegas, and much more. If you haven't had a chance to listen as of yet, jump into the archives wherever you get your podcasts and search out episode number 80, my special guest, Jen Kramer, or head to the website at jeffdoesvegas.com. All right, here we go. On to the show. Only twice in recent history has Las Vegas seen a so-called shutdown of the famed Vegas Strip. Back in November 1963, several casinos closed their doors for a national day of mourning after the assassination of U.S. President John F. Kennedy. That closure lasted about 17 hours, and even then, not all casinos took part, and several only shut down their gaming areas for the duration of the funeral, or about three hours. It would be 57 years before it happened again, and that more recent shutdown would last much, much longer. Due to the rapid spread of the COVID-19 virus, Nevada Governor Steve Sisolak issued a directive ordering a month-long closure of all non-essential businesses, as well as a freeze on all gaming and gambling, to begin as of March 18th, 2020. This essentially brought the city to a screeching halt. Restaurants and bars were closed, casinos and hotels and resorts completely shut down, and entertainment across the city went dark. Vacationers who were in Las Vegas for St. Patrick's Day celebrations were forced to either find alternate accommodations or pack it in, cut their trips short, and head home. Originally slated to last 30 days, this shutdown ended up being almost 90 days long. To say the effects of the closure were devastating for the people who call Las Vegas home would be the understatement of the century. And due to ongoing restrictions and limitations, the effects are still being felt to this day, almost 10 months later. My guest for this episode of the podcast is C. Reggie Rogers, the managing partner and director of entertainment for Connoisseur Entertainment and Action Shot Productions. Reggie and his team are behind a new documentary called Closed for Business, which gets up close and personal with the people who've been hit hardest by COVID-19 in Las Vegas. 
It features interviews with entertainers, government officials, and many others who felt the impact of COVID-19 in one way or another. Please enjoy my conversation with C. Reggie Rogers. I moved to Vegas back in 2000 from the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, which is Philadelphia. So to go from Philadelphia, brotherly love, sisterly affection to Sin City, of course, (laughs) that's kind of somewhat of an oxymoron. Um, mm-hmm. two, two totally different extremes. So what prompted me, though, to move to Vegas is my, my dad, who I always say was my hero, he died in an automobile accident in 2000. Uh, and those of us who've watched Rocky, where Rocky ran up the stairs, that's called the Philadelphia Art Museum. That's where my dad had an accident right in front of the Philadelphia Art Museum. He had a heart attack at the wheel, ran into the back of a cargo truck and uh, transitioned. And so it was just a little tough for me. Uh, it was it was the burden was just too much for me to remain in Philadelphia. Everything kept reminding me of my dad. So I moved to Las Vegas in 2001, actually. And so of all the places that you could have picked in the U.S. to go, why Las Vegas? Was it just a case of it was so different from Philly that you just you were looking for that much of a change, or was there something specific there for you? Actually, I wanted to go to Southern Cal, but when I looked at the Southern Cal prices, I didn't want to go to a place where I was just surviving and not thriving. So back in 2001, I was at the heel of, I just put out a book that was doing really, really well. Um, so I've always been in a public size, either a motivational speaker, author, writer. So I put a book out in 2000. Um, but 2001, I was doing a lot of the talk shows, uh, radio shows all across the country, uh, talking about this book. Um, I did the mother love show. I did a, a myriad of talk shows. And so it just did well. So I could pack up and go wherever I wanted to go based off of, I was my own boss. I had you know, income coming in through the work that I was doing. So I chose Vegas because Vegas at that time was the fastest growing city in America at that time. Cost of living was extremely reasonable. And if I wanted to get to Southern California, I could get on a flight and be there in 46 minutes exactly. And if I drove it, I could do it in three and a half hours. So at, at my thinking was I can get the best of both worlds. Vegas, LA. But then after I just made an assessment, where else was I going to go where there was no earthquakes, no hurricanes, no tornadoes, no snowstorms, very little rain. We had no insects. We didn't have to pay state taxes. You had incentives if you were a business owner. So Vegas fit that mold. And so that's why I selected Vegas. So flashing forward now to present day, um, I wanted to talk to you about this documentary that you are working on, uh, Connoisseur Entertainment Action Shot Productions coming together for uh, Closed for Business, telling the story of Las Vegas through the COVID-19 shutdown. What really inspired you to want to put this documentary together and, and get these stories out? Let me acquiesce just a little bit so that I can tell you how Connoisseur and Action Shot Production teamed up. Because even through the relationship coaching, I was asked to to tape a talk show for a young lady and Steven Sebo was going to produce it 
and 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 do the camera work for the talk show. So I initially reached out to him and called him about the show and I met with him. So the first day that he and I met, we had a we had a lot of synergy. He was a really good guy. We just connected. Right. So when I came to do the talk show, we still connected in our own way. I was doing the talk show, but some way or another, I could see or sense that he was saying, yo, this is not a fit for you. <laughs> some way, somehow I could just I felt his energy. Right. And so um, afterwards, we did we did communicate. And he says, listen, we should connect and, and do something. So we came back, we put together a plan to let's do a show about me doing my own. But in the midst of that, we decided we should just join forces. We should become Connoisseur Entertainment Action Shot Production. We should join join forces because, you know, he brought the technical aspect. He brought the production aspect, but he knew that I knew other people that was in the business and that I knew the business, but I didn't know that aspect like he did. So we just joined forces. So while while doing that, that was probably in February, January, February. But then sometime late February, we both had this concept of idea. We said, man, we should shoot a documentary after this COVID started. This is when we were on, we, we had strict orders to stay home. But he and I decided we're going to go get into the trenches while everybody else is supposed to be home. We're going to shoot this documentary. We're going to go get this footage. We're going to go get the strip when it's barren. Nobody's there. Who would have ever thought nobody would ever see the strip that nobody's on the strip. You don't have a large number of bodies walking the strip as we're accustomed to seeing. There's not a mass of people. It's a mass exodus. No one is there. So we should cover this. And though this is what we decided to do. And we got out in March. Uh, we were getting the footage of Vegas with no attendance, no conferences, no seminars, uh, no trade shows, um, no conventions. So consequently, there were no tourists. But we ideally wanted to zero in on the strip being closed for business, no performers performing, no entertainers entertaining. How can this be the entertainment capital of the world? And there's no entertainment. So our, our idea was to go get the entertainers and talk to them. How does it feel not being able to perform on what is the most iconic street in the world, the busiest street in the world, and there's no performing going on? So that was our concept. And something that I think that you guys have done a, a really good job of from the, the promo clips and the trailers and such that I've seen is you've done an amazing job of showing that these performers, these entertainers, these faces that we see on billboards and marquees up and down the strip, these are real people with real lives. They've got spouses and they've got bills to pay and, and, and you know, life goes on while they're trying to deal with this pandemic. And I think that that's something that a lot of outsiders and a lot of tourists don't quite realize about Las Vegas. We really wanted to get into the heart of the matter as it related to what they, the key essence of what they were really feeling. That was our objective. And even in the midst of we were one of the DJs from the strip or well-known DJ, he caught COVID. We were able to get footage of him 
at the hospital, which was unheard of. We were able to get the footage of him being in the hospital. He was in the hospital for something like 40 plus days. He really struggled because he had other underlying issues prior to catching COVID. So it was a question of whether he was going to really make it or not. So we got him when he was healthy before COVID. And then after getting his footage for the documentary, after getting COVID, we were able to capture that footage of him being in the hospital. So we felt like we were really able to capture um, what tip, like you said, everyday people were going through. Yes. These are performers that we either see in the Cirque shows. You know, we, these are marquee performers that we would see on the strip, but we got to see their realness and you know how they really, what they really do and who they really are off of the stage. And now going through this pandemic, let's, let's, let's listen to their pandemic problems. And I know one of the folks that you spoke with was uh, Yvette Clutterbuck, who is married to Jimmy Denning of Tenors of Rock. That's correct. For those who don't know, Jimmy contracted COVID uh, very early on in the pandemic. Jimmy was a, a guest on the podcast here back uh, over a year ago. Um, and Jimmy and I have stayed connected throughout the the whole thing he's become a a very good friend of mine but to see yvette talk about the health struggles and the concerns as to whether or not jimmy was even actually going to survive this thing compound that with the financial struggles of not being able to work not being able to perform it's it's heartbreaking to to see You're absolutely correct. And another thing that we felt we captured, too, because even in the midst of all of that, our our unemployment. People who should have been in a position to receive unemployment did not because the system had so many flaws. There were people who were waiting for unemployment even to not today still has not received And then there were people who they strung along for months and months and months just to find out later that they were disqualified. So here these people are who work, they're accustomed to receiving a pay and now they're getting no pay. They can't get unemployment. And so how are they going to make it? Yes, as people look and they see these names on the marquee, they see these people on the billboard, they see these faces on a billboard. But that doesn't equate to that they're rolling in money. You know, they're advertising for a show, but that doesn't mean that they're rolling in money. So now we get to get to the heart of the matter and really find out how these people are surviving during the pandemic. Because like you, you, myself and others, who, who would have ever thought that for 90 days, the casinos would be shut down? And we're still not operating to any type of full capacity. Shows are still not up and running, maybe a minuscule amount, but, but th- not to in, not to what we're accustomed to. So it's still going on. They're still trying to have to figure out a way. How do they serve? How do they continue to survive? Do we go get other jobs? Do we leave Vegas? You know, these are real questions. And these are these are probably things that they're pondering in their mind. So it's a lot happening. I want to come back to the whole um, being shut down for 90 days thing, because in my mind, it's, it's just, it's insane that it was that long. And, and earlier today I was scrolling through Twitter and I came across this, this meme that is one of those um, funny, not funny things. And all it said was after this is all over, 
was a fun sentence to say back in April. (laughs) And it's crazy to me that we are still dealing with restrictions and shutdowns and closures. And, And we're at that point where we just keep thinking at some point this has to end or, or is this it? Is this life now? Sir, I am a victim of everything that I'm saying to you. That's why I feel like this documentary is so personal for me and for Steven as well, because I'm used to being on the road. I may not be a performer like they are, but yet I'm an entertainer. I'm an author. I speak on stage. I travel and we sell out venues. You know, the last time that I've been up on a stage to do what I do was Valentine's week. I, I was in Jacksonville. I was in Macon. I was in Tulsa and Atlanta. When I came home, that's it. Uh-huh. Nothing since February. Okay. So unemployment for me strung me along for months and months and months and months and months, only to find out disqualified. Nothing. So when we're talking to these entertainers, I can relate. I totally can relate. And I understand because, you know, just by the grace of God, we're doing what we're doing and able to, you know, function as well as we have been able to function. But this is these are real dilemmas, real issues. A life life has been disrupted as we know it. And I don't even know, like you said, the question is, when do we go back to any normalcy? Will there ever be any normalcy? Will we ever even be able to go back to do what we've are accustomed to doing. Um, we mentioned a little bit earlier chatting with uh, Yvette Clutterbuck and, and Jimmy Denning of Tenors of Rock. Um, who were some of the other entertainers that you were able to uh, reach out to to get involved with the project? Yeah, we've got a great cast with, uh, well, Kim Whitley, actress, comedian. Um, we got Kim in there because she was on that tour called The Ladies of Laughter, and it was scheduled to be in Las Vegas. And of course, it was canceled. So we reached out to Kim to talk about what she felt about not being able to come to Vegas to perform because of Vegas being closed for business. And we've got some great footage from Kim Whitley. Um, She's been in a plethora of movies. Anybody that knows who Kim Whitley is movie. She had her own sitcom. She was she had a show on own network called Raising Whitley. That was a huge popular. That was a very, a very successful show. Then we have Jennifer Romas from the show Sexy. Um, talk to her. Uh, those that live in Vegas, Jennifer's a pillar here. Lots of people know. Great show, Sexy. And then we have uh, Joe Cortez. Joe Cortez is a um, Hall of Fame boxing referee. He's refereed some of the largest fights that have ever happened in Vegas. So that's still the strip. And we were able to talk to him about boxing, not being able to come to Vegas. We've got great footage from Joe Cortez. Uh, And we have Mariah Rivera. She's one of the leads in fantasy. Uh, DJ Miguel. He's the one who caught COVID as well. So he's, he's in the documentary. You know, this, this entire situation is, is frightening to me for so many different reasons. I mean, the fact that there are people out there who still don't believe that, that this is a real thing, that this is having any kind of effect on people, that it's some kind of major conspiracy, that stuff just absolutely blows me away. And and I don't really want to get into that here because I don't feel that that's, this is the, the venue for that discussion, but I'm happy that you guys are, 
telling these stories so that people can see that, yes, this is having a real effect on real people. And I think what's what's extremely sad, Jeff, is the fact that these are major shows. You know, I, I, I we were talking about some of the other characters who are in the documentary. We have a lot of lot from the Cirque shows. We have quite a few from the Cirque. Day, and, you know, that's they may, they probably won't ever come back. From my understanding, Cirque has filed bankruptcy and they're through. I don't know that they'll ever come back. So that's something that you just would never think that would ever happen. We had a show that came back temporarily, but then they end up shutting it down. The show that came back temporarily was Absinthe. Love Absinthe. It's a great show. One of the best shows I've ever seen. Spiegel World are, are such amazing producers and have done such a great job with, with shows like Absinthe and, and uh, Atomic Saloon and, and Opium. And I know that yes. Spiegel World busted their asses to try to um, keep Absinthe up and running, but with restrictions coming in and then the further restrictions coming in, uh, I'm, I'm assuming it just, it, it's not financially viable for them because I, I think a lot of people don't understand the mechanics of how, how these shows are run and how the ticket sales are handled. And, and the fact that these shows, the producers have to cover a lot of the costs themselves. When you just, you start chopping up the audience into such small groups, it's just, it's not financially viable for for them to continue to run. I agree. It's I don't think people understand the dynamics of what it really takes to pull pull off a show and to put a show, you know, together and to put it on so that it's people can actually see it. We get we we, we get to sit and celebrate, you know, and say, "Oh, great show." But everything that it takes to get that show up and running, even the night of people that are in the ticket sales and want how the ticket sales go. You know, you have to sell a certain amount of tickets to get to a break even point. So if I don't sell that amount tonight, then I'm hoping I do it the next night so that, you know, maybe Friday's the Friday's the best night or Saturday's the best night. So then hopefully we'll double ticket sales or triple that night just to make up for what we didn't do Tuesday or Wednesday. Oh, it's a whole lot going on behind scenes. And now you're saying we only can have what a 25% capacity. You cannot run a show. You know, the price points don't match with the salaries and to tr- try to keep everybody working because not only the people that you see on stage, you have stage hands, you have people that are not on stage that you still have to factor into the equation. So there's, there's a lot going on, you know, even behind the scenes and it's just tough. So I really feel, I really, really feel for these entertainers that can't entertain and the performers that can't perform. We both, Steven and I, we both feel for them. That's why we really wanted to do something to highlight you know, uh, what they're, what Vegas is going through and particularly entertainers and and performers. Reggie, you've, uh, you've been in Vegas for a long time now. You've been there since 2001. You've seen things climbing through the early two thousands. You've seen the, the, the downturns and the busts in 2007, 2008, you've seen the good, you've seen the bad in your own sort of non-expert opinion. Um, what do you think the chances are of Vegas, uh, making a comeback. I know it's a resilient city. I know it'll get there eventually, but, but what are your thoughts on, on Vegas making a comeback and, and do you have any, any thoughts or guesses on a, on a timeline for when things will finally be, be back? Well, here's the numbers actually, uh, from the 2007, 2008, when we had the great recession, 
um, there were 147,000 jobs that were lost during that period. That's a lot of jobs. Okay. We were just getting back on our feet in 2019 from that. Wow. So that's 147,000 jobs lost. So let's say that's almost a 10 year period, basically. So we were just starting to get back to some normalcy where the economy was starting to boom again. So to answer your question, I believe it's going to take it's going to take some time. But Vegas is definitely resilient. We like to use the moniker Vegas strong. Vegas is definitely strong, but it's going to take some time because we lost more than one hundred and forty seven thousand jobs this time casinos were closed this time for 90 days casinos weren't closed in we just didn't have people come into the city but at least casinos hotels were still opening were still open back then maybe they had to discount the prices what it, but we're talking about they literally closed this time for 90 days on top of all the jobs that have been lost so, so yes will we come back sure how long <laughs> i have no idea because we're talking about a lot of layers here. So it's going to take a little while. Especially too, when you take into account the restrictions on travel uh, that have come into place, whether it's, you know, requirements for testing to go into the U S or come out of the U S and go home um, or just outright border closures. Uh, You know, I mean, you've lost uh, visitors from Canada. You've lost visitors from the UK. You've lost visitors from, from China and from Japan. That's, either close to or more than 50% of the annual visitorship to Las Vegas. I just read an article. We lost. Okay. So we lost CES. That's the biggest trade show in the world. CES is now has now gone digital. We would have had that this month. We lost that for the month for, for the year of 2021. Do you know how much that brings to our economy annually? 300 million. And that's one trade show. That's one trade show. So we have no trade shows coming. We lost a rodeo. Went to Texas this past November through December. That's huge for us. So we had no trade shows, no conventions, uh, no conferences. As you said, that's a large bulk of people coming in and out of our city from all over the world. So that's tourists. That's tourists who likes to go to the shows. Again, that's another stimuli into the economy with not only am I coming to stay at a hotel, I'm going to a show, I'm eating. All that is an injection into the economy, but nothing that's not there. It's gone. So what do we do now? Because again, there are travel restrictions. People are going to be afraid. I don't know for how long to travel, to fly. Um, and, and that's how Vegas is. Vegas is a tourist town. That's what makes it boom. It's uh, it's a crazy little world we're in, Reggie. <laughs> it, it is. I, 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 Jeff, if you and I could come up with an answer and put it in a bottle and sell it right now, we'd be mega, mega rich. You know, absolutely. we can just come up. With, we can come up with a cure all that that just says, okay, this is it. It's gonna do away with everything. We're going. Will we be rich? We don't know, though. We got to work on that. We got to get working on that. Reggie. Um, the documentary, when can people see it? Where can people see it? Uh, how can people get their hands on it? And more importantly, too, how can people help uh, get this documentary going forward? 
Yeah, that's that's huge for us right now. We're in the Indiegogo stage. I don't know if you're familiar with Indiegogo, but Indiegogo is for independent filmmakers. It's kind of like a GoFundMe for independent filmmakers. So we're in that stage. And so we're looking to probably allow the documentary to launch sometime late February, early March. We don't have a, a, a exact date as of yet because we want to get through this Indiegogo campaign, but the trailer is out as you've seen. So we're, we're looking forward to getting this, you know, we don't want to rush it. We want to make sure that we get it and we're still being able to capture because it has gotten worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're still able to capture and you know we don't we don't want to be the bearers of just bad news we don't want to give a sad indictment we want to be able to also be the bearer of good news and so we create some optimism moving forward you know that there is still vegas still has a lot to look forward to we just built a new stadium you know there's still a lot of construction a lot of building going on so we we captured that too well reggie i i wish you guys the greatest luck and and the best of fortunes with this documentary. I'm looking forward to seeing the the finished product. And uh, with any luck, at some point, I'll be able to actually make it down to Vegas, and you and I can get working on our uh, solving the world's problems. There it is, Jeff. I'm going to hold you to it. We're going to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on, Reggie. Uh, thank you, sir. <laughs> If you want to learn more about Closed for Business and keep track of where and when you'll be able to see it, be sure to follow Reggie and his team on social media. You'll be able to find those links to their pages in the show notes at jeffdoesvegas.com. While you're there, check out the trailer for Closed for Business and find out how you can become a backer for the project by helping out on Indiegogo. And that wraps up yet another episode of the podcast. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show or any other episode for that matter, or if you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas. You can also email me directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit jeffdoesvegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 81 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. 